ludicrous feature of our church and culture. And the sentimental air is never thicker than at Christmas. What does he mean by that? Well, you know what sentimentality is, right? That's all those feeling things. The way that we, we just, oh, we just love being together. I love fudge at Christmas. I love the Christmas meal. I love hanging out with my family. I love the songs on the radio. Feelings, right? That's that sentimentality that he's talking about. So often in the Christmas story, we get lost in the story. The stars, the angels, the sheep, the camels, the wise men, the manger, and all that comes along with it. We just love it, don't we? Sometimes we get lost in the symbolic nature of what's happening. The songs and candles, the gifts and garlands, the trees and lights. Or perhaps we get wrapped up and lost in the activities of this time of year. Family gatherings, the feasting and sweets, parties and programs of all kinds. The danger in all of this sentimentality that Begbie points to is this. That in all of the celebration, in all of the symbology, and in all of the story, we may lose sight of what the meaning of all of this is for us. What is the story of Christmas? Well, it's not an inspiring story of a young girl's faithfulness when called upon by angels to participate in God's master plan for the people of Israel. And it's not a character study of a stoic carpenter's faithfulness to God and his, when his inexplicably pregnant fiancé comes to him and tells him all about what's happening. And it's not some thrilling account of heavenly beings appearing to simple shepherds in the field with a divine message for all of humanity. And it is not an epic chronicle of mysterious sages from unknown lands journeying across vast deserts, following some esoteric signs from the heavens which they've determined through their astronomical observations. Certainly these are all elements of the Christmas story, but that they don't bring the meaning of Christmas and the birth of Jesus. It is all of those things, but something far greater beyond. What we celebrate is the incarnation. What is incarnation? Incarnation is the unknowable, the untouchable, transcendent God made present, visible, and knowable in imminent vulnerability. 
to put it in really simple terms, God has entered the room. God with us. It's hard to take it all in. A theologian from just a few decades ago, Friedrich Buchner, says this about the incarnation. He says, the incarnation is a kind of vast joke whereby the creator of the ends of the earth comes among us in diapers until we too have taken the idea of the God-man seriously enough to be scandalized by it, we have not taken it as seriously as it demands to be taken. It's not a beautiful story. It's a pivotal moment in all of human history. And it ought to shake us up. It ought to scandalize us, as Buchner says, because it is so strange. It is so unprecedented. It is so powerful. And it changes everything. I love turning to the early church, to the saints of history, and how they have understood what God has done, because so often their words and their thoughts articulate so much better what is going on than my own thoughts can do. John Chrysostom, who is known as the silver-tongued preacher, he was a bishop in Turkey. And in 386 AD, he gave a Christmas sermon on December 20th in Antioch in Syria. These words from his sermon point to how he understood this arrival of love, the incarnation. He says, For from this feast, that is the nativity, the theophany, which is visible manifestation of the divine, and the Holy Pascha, which is Easter, and the Ascension and Pentecost take their origin and foundation. For if Christ had not been born according to the flesh, he could not have been baptized, which is the Theophany. He could not have been crucified, which is the Pascha. He could not have been sent the Spirit, which is the Pentecost. This birth of Jesus this is the particular moment in all of history in which everything changes. It is that initial point from which the redemptive work of God is brought to fulfillment through the life and teachings, death and resurrection of Jesus the Christ. Another saint of the early church, Athanasius of Alexandria, an Egyptian bishop says this, The Lord did not come to make a display. He came to heal and to teach suffering humanity. For one who wanted to make a display, the thing would have been just to appear and to dazzle the beholders. 
But for him who came to heal and to teach the way was not merely to dwell here, but to put himself at the disposal of those who needed him and to be manifested according as they could bear it, not diminishing the value of the divine, appearing by exceeding their capacity to receive it. He's saying here, if God wanted to dazzle us with his impressive power and presence, he could have just shown up. But he goes on to say, but we wouldn't have been able to handle it. We would not take it in, the power and presence and glory of God. And so God comes to us as a child born in a manger to grow and live among us, to know how humanity lives, its struggles, its pain, suffering, and temptation, and to heal us, to touch our lives by his presence among us. The point here is that it's not a grand display of power, the majesty of the divine, but it is the revealing of God's very nature which is happening. God's very nature which is love. Through presence, invitation and embrace, reconciliation and redemption. This isn't something to try to understand. It's too much to take it all in. Which is why so often we are reduced to symbols and stories and ritual. The birth of Jesus, the arrival of love, is intended to be experienced, known through the manifest presence of God in our world, and in our lives. Barbara Brown Taylor, who writes about the life of the church, says that the last thing that any of us needs is more information about God. The last thing that any of us needs is more information about God. We need the practice of the incarnation by which God saves the lives of those whose intellectual ascent has turned them as dry as dust, who have run frighteningly low on the bread of life and who are dying to know more God in their bodies, not more about God, more God. Is this what we long for? Is this what we have been waiting for? More God present in our lives? More love experienced in our day-to-day -day realities? Our true celebration of Christmas is to enter into this kind of knowing, not intellectual assent and information about God, but to be scandalized again 
by the audacity that is found in the God child in a manger. The vulnerability of God who comes to us as helpless babes. The true celebration of this season is to let this moment become again an aha of clarity where we see how life will always be different from this moment on. Whether that is an aha for the first time of understanding that God is love and love has come for you and that you are invited into that relationship with God. Or whether it is a remembrance, an aha again, that today I submit again to the will and way of God, to the supremacy of love as the path for my life. We celebrate this season by welcoming and remembering love's arrival into our lives as the defining point of before and after So let us, as disciples of this Jesus, children of this heavenly Father and citizens of this glorious kingdom of God, let us make manifest love's arrival through our words and actions and audacious love. What are you waiting for? Let's respond in song together.